Dr. Snook is Galala is in the house, president of the ANC Veterans League. That is Galala, how are you? Good evening. I'm fine, thanks, Senor, and uh, good evening to your listeners. We had quite an interesting <coughs> conversation just before we went on air, and I said I would challenge you on that statement that you made. Do you just want to reflect and repeat that statement so that it's not song as you're saying it, but rather you? Well, basically, what you're asking me whether do we have some of our ministers who are competent and uh, who are f fit for purpose. I would say some not, but uh, I think the majority are. The only things that we don't um, communicate properly, what these ministers are doing, and uh, also it's unfortunate that uh, our departments are not uh, performing properly. And it's unfortunate that we don't deliver what we told society that we deliver in terms of uh, ensuring that uh, the economy is growing, in terms of ensuring that uh, um, the public sector is, is, is well endowed with resources, and ensuring that we deliver on housing, water. We, we, we are unable to, to, to do those things. And um, I think the infrastructure is there, but the infrastructure, part of it has collapsed. And I think we are capable of fixing that infrastructure if we have the right people in the right place. Mm, that's a good save because that's not exactly what you said. We were talking about whether or not the country's challenges can be met. Um, and you said we don't have the people there. And I disagree on the basis that we don't have the people. I think we do have the people there. It's just that perhaps the political environment does not allow those people to be drawn into that fray because the fray is littered with a sort of, I don't know what the word is, but it is just, it's a milieu that is not attractive for people who want to work, work honestly, work hard, and work for the greater good, in the greater good of the service of the nation. That's, I think, where we were at. But I understand what you're saying, and I can't obviously disagree with that. But perhaps let's talk about what you have at least um, admitted, that we have leaders in our government, in the executive especially, among other spaces of public service, who simply are not fit for the task. The question then has to be, how does sponsored by the ANC ultimately, how do those individuals get to prevail, occupy the <coughs> seats, and maintain such seats? Not just in this administration, but administration after the other, where it is just plain for all to see that individual X is simply not up to it. And yet, the system allows their tenure. How? And, and, and what about that instills any sense of confidence in improving the questions that the nation has to address? Well, um, Sungas, I think uh, State Capture taught us a lesson. And because Zondo kept on saying, um, where was the ANC? Where were NEC members when the state assets were looted? When some ministers were not uh, taken to task? When some ministers were not held accountable? And um, currently what the NEC is doing now, it's trying to hold, it's trying to hold all ministers who have been appointed by the president accountable so that they must be able to tell the NEC what are they doing, why are they not performing. Though we are not responsible for their performance appraisal, it's the president who's responsible for their performance appraisal. He's the one who signs contracts with them. But the NEC... Have we those do, contracts been signed, those performance contracts? Well, he told us that those performance contracts had been signed and we believe what he's saying. The only things that How we, can you hold them accountable if you're not cited that? Well, do we as NEC said it, or do you believe of because you satisfied yourself? No, we are, we, we believe what he what he, what he tells us is the president of the country, and so when we ask him as NEC is that not members, naive? no, it's not being na na naive. 
we have we have we have trust in him. He's, he's the president of the country. He's the president of the ANC. We have trust in him. And so, <clears throat> only thing that uh, Zondo taught taught us, and uh, it's a bitter lesson that we've gone through, that we should be able to uh, hold ministers accountable mm. in the areas where they're being deployed, mm. because they've been deployed. On at the behest of the president, but they've deployed to serve society, Correct. not to serve, serve themselves. Can I just ask one or two questions? You are in part helping the president to hold those ministers accountable. We were told that they would be signing performance contracts. Presumably that means there are KPAs that over the course of their five-year contract, because that's all it can be at most, there would be areas that are deliverable, not after five years, but in the course of meeting the five-year ultimate administrative um, targets. Have you seen such contracts? Have you seen such KPAs so that you can help the president hold the ministers accountable? And this is a yes or no question. Answer. If not, why not? If so, are we moving the needle in the direction that South Africa needs it to move so that after this administration's term, we can say South Africa is better off now than what it was in June 2019. Yes or no for the first question? No, there's no answer like yes and no. We're not involved in administrative processes. We're not, we don't administer the, the minister's performance. It's, it's the president does that. Within the presidency, there's what you call a monitoring and evaluation. Mm. That's where it comes in. And so, so that the, that department is the one that has has to evaluate what the what the performances are, whether the ministers are meeting the targets that they said they will with the president. And we are the at the NEC immediately. If there is no service delivery, the people if there's no water delivered, we go directly in the NEC and ask Comrade Sanzo to, to to account why he has failed to to make to make sure that water is not delivered in certain areas. And of course, he'll stay, he stands up and give us a a profile of what he's been doing. And he has been doing exceptionally well. If in terms of environmental affairs, Comrade Barbara Creasy is asked, Comrade Barbara Creasy, that these issues that are coming up in terms of environmental affairs, can you, uh, can you account and inform us? She stands up and tells us exactly what is happening. The same thing with Comrade Bravin Gordon. For instance, we have had electricity crisis. We had to ask are you him directly. Go through all the ministers and give such reviews on them. Well, if there are crises, we have to. No, no, no. I'm saying, as you are remarking now, are you going to go through the cabinet? No, no, no. I won't, I won't be, well, we have not asked others, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> we have not asked us. We, we ask those where we where the, where there are crises currently, which need uh, the ANC's intervention, because the ANC is the, is, is the government that is in power. I've got only one more question, only because I. I'm not supposed to be on air, at least for the majority of this hour. It is the Hashtag Tuesday Takeover. For those who have just joined us, Dr. Snuggi Zigalala, president of the ANC Veterans League, and I'll tell you more about him later. Here is my concern, and I don't imagine it is not a shared concern. Pot potentially alarmist, but it is a concern nonetheless. When I look at that cabinet, the majority of them would never hold their positions in private practice. If they had to apply and deliver a particular service or ensure profits or come up with research that is going to be tested and prevails after such stress tests, I do believe looking at some of those people, they would not make the light of day where the public engages them as ordinary members in society where they have to move the needle or the organization to which they would belong simply crumbles. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Do you share any aspects of what I'm saying? 
Well, I'd say, or disagree with it altogether. No, I'd, I'd say part, partly with what you're saying because some of them have never worked in the public sector, in the private sector. And um, it's difficult, for instance, if a person has not worked in the, in the private sector to know exactly how to, how, what this performance appraisal is, what, how to meet your targets, what is, what is quality that is, is needed in terms of your products to, 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 to be sold. And so majority of them have never worked in the private sector. And, and as you are well, saying... No, 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 I think that's not the point. That is the the yeah. point is, this individual is the head of a ministry, is given a budget that must be spent according to the budget plans, and there's a budget vote and all the planning that comes with that. Ensuring headcount is appropriate for that budget and for that work of that budget, ensuring the lag which comes from the president's vision for the year in the SONA and the provincial departments, obviously, I mean, the, provin the provinces will give their SONAs and some of that budget needs to be shared, at least in terms of planning what needs to be done. And the different spheres of government necessarily talk to each other. This is what Dr. Lamini Zuma's portfolio is. When now this individual is put in that position of trust, the question is, are some of them or are all of them in a position indeed to advance that? This is a long question. Think about it. We're going to take a break. Please engage me for what I'm asking. Resist the temptation to be a politician just for one question, please. After the break, can we go there? 21 minutes after 20. SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomabete on SAFM. Dr. Snuggi Zigalala is the president of the ANC Veterans League and former head of news and current affairs at the SABC. Before joining the SABC, he spent 25 years in journalism and earned numerous awards, including the SA Medical Association's Best Medical Reporter and Government's Communicator of the Year. After leaving their broadcaster in August 2009, Dr. Zigalala established a media company which does media consulting. He established, he later established rather, the independent Pan-African News Online, IPAN, which focuses on regional integration and economic development on the continent. He's the chairman and director of ZMK Construction, which is a family building construction company. In October 2017, Dr. Snuge Zigalala was elected unopposed as the president of the ANC Veterans League. The league is a constitutional structure of the ANC. Before we took the break, which was my final question to him, just to recap, I did ask if whether or not I, in my thinking, was unfounded against the idea that when looking at some of our leaders in government, would they make the light of day against what national questions we have that need answers and resolution, against what, at an executive level anyway, is ostensibly South Africa's answer to those questions? Yeah, well, I said, as I said, you know, and some of them, of course, they won't see the, the light of day in the private sector. And uh, as you know, that um, uh, majority of those who came through Parliament in 1994 and um, who, in the who grew through the, the ranks of the ANC have never smelled the private sector. And so they went into the ANC, they, they grew in the ANC, and then they got promoted into Parliament and became ministers. And so currently, we as Veterans League, we believe in what you call um, meritocracy where young people should be groomed and they should be educated, should be skilled to, for them to, to, uh, to access senior position in government. That's what we believe in. We believe in the, poli in the education policies that, that have been uh, tested in Singapore, where a young person is groomed as young as he is 
and he grows within the party, grows within uh, within the party, and, to, and uh, until he reaches the higher level of education. If you look at Singapore, not even a single minister in Singapore does not have uh, two or three degrees. And they specialize, they are, in, they are deployed in areas of, of their own speciality. Are you inspired by that? I'm highly inspired. So why don't we do that here? I think we, yeah, I think we can. I think we can. Why are we not doing? Well, um, I think we can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can. We, we, don't, we don't deploy ministers. It's the president that de- deploys ministers. And so he's the one who appoints ministers. He's the one who, who signed performance agreements with them. But we believe, as Veterans League, is that uh, people who are deployed in certain departments, they should be skilled, they, sh- they should be technocrats, the people who know exactly what's happening in that area of competency. That's how we'll be able to grow the economy of the country itself. Well, if anything, the last 27 minutes have taught me is that I have a long way to go in journalism. Dr. Snooki Zagalala just schooling me here. But I do appreciate it, of course. I mean, this is how we learn. This is how we grow. Certainly appreciate the engagement. Please do show him your love, everybody. This is SAFM Viewpoint. Hashtag Tuesday Takeover. Dr. Snooki Zagalala, after this ad break, will take over with a guest of his choice. I'll let him tell you who that person is. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez on on SAFM. Yeah, good evening, um, uh, the, the listeners, and I'm Snooki Zigalala. Um, I'm in the studio. I, I don't have uh, Dr. Gwen Ramakopa. Good evening, Dr. Gwen Ramakopa. Good evening, Snooki uh, Zigalala. Uh, How are you? Fine, thanks, Anir. Fine, thanks, Anir. Just tell us exactly who are you? And um, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And what kind of uh, life have you lived from the young age? Well, thank you very much for inviting me to your show. And uh, good luck with your show. I hope it inspires South Africans to uh, focus on uh, building on our democracy, dealing with the challenges we've had. Uh, But I'm uh, born and bred uh, in uh, Uptridgeville. Uh, what we a township called uh, that we fondly call Pele, and um, I well maybe let me say uh, I did my matric at in at a boarding school in Pirukolobe, uh, which is in Mpopo, and uh, completed my medical degree uh, in Medunsa. I also studied uh, a, a few courses here and there, but also got a master's. Uh, in uh, public health. So I can just say that I'm just an ordinary township girl that had uh, opportunities uh, first to fight for one's country and um, given the same situation, although we wouldn't wish uh, that uh, apartheid uh, on, any, on, on any generation, but uh, we would, uh, I would uh, once more um, dedicate my life to making sure that our generation uh, was the last to experience uh, the apartheid uh, uh, regime. So, yeah, in short, that's what I, what, what I have been, a public servant almost throughout my adult life and um, really humbled to have the experience we've had uh, to serve South Africans. Tell us, what made you to venture into politics? As a medical doctor, you'll be making money, you'll be having a private uh, surgery, you'll be driving expensive cars. And uh, what made you to venture into politics? 
Well, our generation didn't have to venture into politics, uh, but was forced by the circumstances of um, oppression, a very brutal system of apartheid uh, that uh, really denied, uh, especially blacks in general and Africans in particular, uh, their birthright, uh, the right to vote and the right to a decent life. I think those that... uh, uh, have read or have lived through apartheid to realize that uh, it was the, one of the most brutal systems, uh, uh, human systems uh, in the world. And uh, that is why the UN declared it um, as a, a, you know, a system that uh, was violating human rights. So we, we, went, we were forced to respond to the material conditions uh, and to ensure that we built on uh, the struggles of uh, our forebears and uh, continue until the apartheid regime has fallen. And we we glad that we contributed. I didn't think that I'll even get back to government, but we were called to use the skills that we had acquired, uh, the few privileged uh, black people that could uh, to help help build our democracy. And uh, indeed, uh, one would have liked more to be in the academic uh, side of things, uh, but uh, we were called to serve, and uh, we did our best uh, in uh, putting together the new uh, post-apartheid uh, South Africa. And the first few years was a really exceptional uh, progress, transformation, and um, especially in the health sector, in the social sector. I think what is now left uh, is um, the economic transformation, uh, dealing with uh, the very difficult uh, structural uh, challenges uh, for for the economy. So let's say uh, the bottle is uh, 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 half full and not half empty, so that we can then fill it up and um, uh, deal with the outstanding maybe, you know, vestiges of uh, the apartheid system. So I'm really proud that uh, we've had, some of us have had an opportunity to serve and um, uh, gladly sharing the experiences and supporting those that are now in uh, positions of responsibility to build on this uh, beautiful country of ours. Uh, Yes, many challenges, but uh, they are not insurmountable. Uh, you you succeeded at Kutane Mashangu in the Department of Health. How was it? What did you find there? And how did you try a little best to fix what was broken there? Oh, Health was one of the most challenging. We remember that we had about 11 uh, government uh, departments of health uh, segregated by race. And we, the first few years, uh, especially the first term, we had to integrate those uh, many sort of departments into a single uh, department. And um, I was uh, uh, deployed to the Department of Health, I think, in 1995 as an advisor, and then later as the chair of uh, the Portfolio Committee of Health. And in 1999, uh, honored to come on as uh, the MEC for health. 
I must say we had to stabilize uh, the, the, the services that were there, open up uh, for uh, those that were excluded uh, to use facilities like uh, the Johannesburg Hospital, which is now Charlotte Makreke. Uh, but I must say that uh, there was a rapid uh, development of uh, primary health care facilities to open up access uh, through the reconstruction and development program, if uh, uh, citizens and listeners uh, recall that. And um, suddenly, uh, the whole of South Africa um, had access, and uh, we also introduced uh, free healthcare services for um, mothers and children initially. Uh, but uh, later on, the whole public uh, primary healthcare services for the public sector was uh, was free at a point of uh, service delivery. Uh, so uh, the, the, the other I- uh, important issue was to ensure that there are systems and processes in place uh, so that uh, we can uh, establish standards, we can establish accountability. And what I want to, 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 to say is that uh, uh, the HOD, uh, Professor uh, Leticia Rispel, uh, was uh, a competent um, a leader who worked uh, very closely with management to put management uh, systems in place and indeed uh, to ensure that uh, there is also celebration of uh, progress, of quality, of success, uh, but also a performance uh, system uh, from cleaner to professional uh, to management. And and putting uh, these uh, management systems, accountability systems in place, and um, and processes, uh, especially processes that would assess objectively quality, uh, it helps the system and uh, become alive, and uh, everybody gets used to knowing that uh, you know you have to justify why you are there, to also strive to provide the best quality services that uh, that you can because you'll also be celebrated. But I must say it was not easy, uh, but uh, we look back and say we could do it. And uh, now with uh, some of the challenges that are there, uh, it is uh, uh, you know important to look back and say if we could do it during those times, we can still do it now uh, during better times. There's uh, a caller here by the name of Mike. He wants, he wants to know from you, how do we prevent another acid demeni? Oh, yeah, that was the most painful. It was the second time uh, deployed to the Department of Health as MEC. Very painful moment, uh, but also a moment of, um, uh, you know, th- that said to us, you know, the South Africa belongs to everyone. Uh, government should not be arrogant. Uh, the uh, citizens also uh, have a say because uh, we are uh, informed that uh, uh, the professionals, uh, some managers, uh, did uh, raise alarm uh, that uh, there are risks. And even the family members did raise alarm, but uh, the system was not responsive. So it was really a, a period of... Uh, reconnecting with uh, the basic principles of Batupili. And um, I think as long as we, we stick to principles, to the values that are in our constitution, 
uh, the values of uh, the rights of citizens, the values of uh, our own culture, you know, Boto, Ubuntu. Um, uh, then life has many incidents uh, are unlikely to happen. Uh, this is over and above uh, the oath of uh, office that the professionals take. So I think it's a path that uh, uh, we must take lessons uh, from and say never again. Yeah, <clears throat> Mike is on the line, and so we'll, we'll allow Mike to ask the question. Mike? Yeah, hi, good evening. Good evening, good evening. Dr. Ngini. Good evening, uh, oh, two doctors, yes. Uh, thanks so much. And, and, yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity and what a great show, Sengezo. Uh, yeah, thank you for that answer. And, yeah, look, all I can say is I just hope it never does happen again. But I think it probably is going to come down to the question I would like to ask you both. And that is we seem to have a country of no consequences. We seem to have a country where nobody actually is accountable. Uh, in the case of Esther Domeni, but we could talk about Marikana, we could talk about um, Andres Tatani, uh, we can talk about so many incidents in our country, and this is post-apartheid. I mean, we, under apartheid, one understands how these horrific things happened, but post-apartheid, we have no accountability and absolutely no consequences. And I hear what you're saying, Doctor, about Ubuntu, but quite frankly, I think another Isidomeni is around the corner because the way our medical system, which is completely and utterly collapsed, uh, I actually also struggling a little bit to understand what you're saying. I don't know when you were last in a public hospital, but they are in absolutely shocking condition, apart from the Western Cape, which is still not great, but it's better than the rest. But people are dying in our hospitals. They very often don't come out alive. So I think we've kind of missed the point here, but it all comes down to my final question and the same question I want to ask you both. How are we going to make people accountable? How is it that the person responsible for Etsy has not been uh, dismissed from the, the, uh, from the health authorities. And in fact, even for that matter, still a member of the ANC. I, I find that shocking. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm Dr. Snooki Zikalala. Your host Tuesday takeover for this evening. This is not a coup. I was invited. Do call on 86 Send your voicemails to 0614-104-107. Please switch off your radio when recording and keep voice notes under your under one minute. My guest is Dr. Gwen Ramakopa. Comrade Gwen, can you kindly answer that question? Um, a very uh, important question of on accountability, and I can uh, actually say that um, well, you asking. I think I asked uh, when was I in the uh, uh, health system. Uh, I was MEC for Health uh, from 1999, as indicated, to about 2006. And I can assure you that uh, we left the health system uh, having built uh, many clinics, uh, hospitals, including uh, the Steve Biko Academic Hospital, newly built during that period, and uh, quite advanced in um, ensuring that there's access, there are systems in place, and their processes. And part of the systems is accountability systems. If you have a performance management system and um, you use it and ensure that uh, everyone is accountable, um, the, the, the system is likely, the organization is likely to improve and to even excel. Uh, during that period, we even established a, a, a quality um, accreditation committee uh, which was uh, objectively assessing the quality of uh, 
of services and uh, uh, by the time we left it was also reporting independently uh, for now we've got the office of health standards compliance we need the office of health standards compliance reporting regularly those reports need to be public uh, and um, indeed uh, it was really a sad moment to be called again in 2017 uh, to assist uh, the country with the lysocytomanic problem uh, and I can assure you that the only thing that we needed to do again was to put uh, uh, systems in place. In place, human resource management, financial management, we stabilize uh, quality assurance um, uh, systems in place. Governance, uh, the clinic committees, the hospital boards uh, must all function. If any of those don't function, the likelihood is that uh, you're going to have. Uh, a deterioration of uh, services. I must say that uh, currently I'm, I may not be fully aware, although I also use public health uh, uh, services, uh, but I think uh, we must all um, put our shoulders to the wheel. Uh, the clinic committees, the hospital boards uh, must actually help the public to oversee. Uh, the other important thing is to also ensure that uh, we we work as, uh, as fellow South Africans, um, uh, including employer-employee, uh, fostering good employer-employee relations, uh, because health uh, uh, is uh, an essential service. So all those uh, efforts are very critical. I'm not saying every problem was resolved, uh, but the organization was actually improving itself and uh, 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 righting some of the, of the wrongs uh, that were there. So I would like to encourage uh, everyone to take uh, responsibility where you are. If you are a professional, uh, you know, ensure that uh, you live by the oath of your uh, profession. Uh, if you are, a, a, you know, support staff, uh, do the best you can, knowing that uh, the health sector is a very vulnerable uh, sector. Uh, if you are in management, uh, you must take uh, responsibility to manage uh, uh, the resources, the relations, uh, you know, uh, patient uh, experience. And we also uh, encourage that there be a, a feedback uh, from the users of the health service confidentially. And that feedback has to go to the hospital board and the clinic committee so that uh, uh, they can uh, give back uh, the uh, feedback from uh, the users, whether they be patients themselves or relatives of patients. So let's put uh, the basics right. Once you put the basics right, uh, you'll you'll really discover that uh, there are many, many, many areas of excellence that can be achieved, and indeed in the health sector uh, to provide to the vulnerable um, citizens uh, the best experience of a humane and efficient system. Um, yeah, we, we just need to hold one another accountable. I agree. Yeah, Colonel Gwen, have three voice notes. We'll play them back to back. I'd like to find out from a guest whether is it necessary to have doctors to be trained in Cuba, whereas we can train our own doctors in South Africa with half the price of the money that is paid for training doctors in Cuba. I'm asking this question because this was raised during uh, Stephen Hortes' show this morning. Thank you very much. Anonymous in KZN. Hi, I just want to know that Dr. Sigalala is talking about the same Singapore that Helen Zilla said we could learn from. 
Mark Islanen. Uh, thank you for telling us the truth and being honest that under the ANC leadership, all the people who are calling themselves the ministers and the MEC are the people who are incompetent, are the people who don't understand the position that they occupied. That is why you see everything is collapsed in this country. And let me tell you the security that you don't know. Those people, you will never remove them on the position. Why? Because they already know how to loot the resources of this country. They rather better to kill you rather than removing you. Or they, they're going to say it's a politically motivated. Thank you. Yeah, Conrad Gwen, before you answer those three questions, I just want to find out from you. You are now at the center of the African National Congress. You are the coordinator in the SGO's office. How simple or difficult is that job? And if you get that job, what will it do? What will do? Will it do better to ensure that the ANC is stable, that the ANC is accountable, the ANC uh, it delivers on its set objectives? The ANC is um, a, a, a vehicle, an organization that has been at the forefront of um, the liberation movement, and uh, you can fold the historic mission, the principles, the values, uh, it is the people who are both in leadership and or uh, deployed to execute this or that task uh, that uh, can indeed uh, translate the commitment of the ANC uh, to the real and lived experience of citizens. Uh, that's the first thing that I would like to say, and I think uh, uh, during this period uh, of uh, what we call renewal, uh, there has been a number of uh, interventions, including to stabilize organization internally. Uh, however, with the uh, COVID pandemic, we also know that uh, we have uh, really had a huge setback, especially economically. Uh, but uh, that period also enabled us to appreciate that uh, there are, we, we have a, a South African uh, that uh, can pull together uh, through the solidarity um, uh, forums that uh, we established, we, we, we managed as a nation uh, to overcome. So I, I can say that uh, the NC is uh, just but one of the many institutions that are there uh, in our country uh, that uh, whose leaders must work with other leaders uh, to ensure that uh, we build this as uh, one of the great countries uh, that are more humane and uh, with a shared prosperity. Uh, but I think uh, uh, part of uh, what, uh, you know, if you look at the countries like uh, China and um, uh, countries like uh, uh, Malaysia, what they call the Eastern Asian Tigers, uh, they, they focused on the uh, competence, they focused on uh, meritocracy, and they focused on honesty. Uh, and uh, among others, uh, their, their children, the young people were sent all over the country uh, to get skills, to uh, get exposure, and to come back home. So the, we must look at uh, the uh, Cuban training program as part of that. Cuba is one of the healthiest uh, nations uh, in the world. And uh, it doesn't have a huge uh, resource base. It's not uh, one of the advanced countries, but certainly uh, their primary health care approach has helped them. And once you, you, you attain uh, good health, it's, a, it's a, 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 a firm stepping stone 
uh, towards uh, productivity and uh, economic uh, uh, growth and prosperity. So uh, at that time, the hospital, uh, the uh, medical training in South Africa could not expand adequately. But I think now we're in a transition phase where we've opened up uh, many of uh, additional places in uh, South African medical schools and the integration uh, is happening uh, quite uh, uh, much more smoother than before. Uh, but again, we decry the fact that uh, we are still more curative. We must focus more on strengthening the primary care uh, and preventative uh, uh, health uh, approach. So that is, uh, and I think I've reflected also on the last comment uh, around issues of competency and, and meritocracy. Um, we, we need to be, um, you know, unwavering on, that's what you said, uh, Dr. Zigalala, uh, in your earlier uh, interview, that, uh, you know, we need to send competent people uh, in uh, the relevant fields, and uh, that's how we will build this country. Uh, I, I really uh, am an optimist. Uh, yes, we must hold those that have done wrong, um, especially those that are involved in corruption, uh, because that's stealing from the nation. Uh, we must be completely intolerant, zero tolerance uh, for wrongdoing. Uh, uh, so we must hold uh, those uh, accountable. Uh, we must also um, embrace uh, the progress that was made and build on it. Yeah, well, we are, we are about to wrap up. Um, may we ask for one more call in the remaining seven minutes? Comrade Gwen, um, you sound like a softie. And uh, as you know, that the ANC uh, structures are not in place. And uh, how will you build those structures if you become the Secretary General of the ANC? <laughs> I was trying to avoid uh, having to respond to that because I think uh, we are at a point where uh, our branches are um, nominating, and um, I want to wait until the branches have nominated to say, indeed, I'm a candidate for this or that post. But uh, uh, what I would like to say is that in terms of uh, branches, we have modernized, as uh, uh, led by the current NEC and the president, uh, we've modernized uh, the uh, membership uh, system, which is now cloud-based. And uh, that has really helped to stabilize some of, or, or to, to really deal with some of the problems that were there. Uh, still, maybe, you know, challenges here and there. But uh, overall, I think we, we, we think uh, uh, digitizing our uh, membership system w- was good. Uh, the other thing is that we have established also the renewal commission uh, to take lessons from the past and to say how do we, uh, make the African National Congress a, uh, a, a, a more future, future-proof and future-ready. Uh, society has uh, has changed, especially uh, the young people are saying uh, to us that uh, we must move with the times. Uh, we must respond to the very uh, complex and structural problems that remain, especially in the economy. Uh, we need to move faster to redress. Uh, the apartheid legacy, including uh, the land question uh, and, and, and others. Um, we, still, we have uh, poverty, unemployment, and inequality still uh, as uh, challenges 
uh, and we need to move faster and, uh, and and with a greater sense of agency and and use the uh, modern um, uh, tools um, like the digital economy uh, to close the distance uh, between the uh, the haves and the have nots, uh, including urban and rural, and and make sure that uh, uh, we in the next uh, uh, decade uh, the ANC um, uh, really uh, turns around beyond just uh, the social security net. And there we must be proud as South Africans. We have been able to carry one another through a social security net and cushion poverty. Uh, but uh, we need to move uh, much more decisively in terms of uh, economic growth that is shared and uh, for a shared prosperity. Thank you very much for the opportunity. We, we have, and we, as I say, I am uh, very optimistic. I believe in our people. I believe in our country. Yeah, we have one last caller. Uh, he's anonymous from KZN. Anonymous, the line Hello. is yours. Good evening to you, uh, Mr. Snooki Zikalala. I've known you for many, many years being a reporter. Uh, uh, okay, I just want to ask the doctor one thing, one question. When will the NHI be in... Um, uh, be, uh, when will the NHI come into... Um, how should I put it? Uh, coming to the provincial uh, hospitals, when will when will the public receive NHI? That's one specialized treatment. That's one. And the other thing is, uh, the hospitals that don't have specialized treatment, uh, uh, when will they have specialists in that in that particular hospital? In that in these two hospitals that I know in in KZN does not have specialized treatment, and uh, the public is not given referrals for a second opinion by the young doctors that come into the hospitals. Uh, you know, currently they are coming into the hospitals from their practice, the young doctors. And uh, you will find all the boards in the hospital are stating that every every patient is entitled to a second opinion. It doesn't give a factor of age. It doesn't say how old you should be or how young you should be. It says, it says you're entitled to a second opinion, but the doctor says you are old, you are not entitled to, uh, to go to the hospital for specialized treatment because you are getting old. That's a problem that you're going to have all your life. Yeah, Dr. Brent, just answer special. one minute. You've got one minute to answer this question because I'm going on to news. Just one minute. Okay, thank you up. so much. Thank you. Thanks for your question. First and foremost, I'm really glad that uh, the National Health Insurance uh, bill is in Parliament, um, and uh, we uh, that is uh, our vehicle towards universal health coverage because health uh, access to health is is a right. It must be a right to everyone. Um, lack of funds at that point in time should not be a barrier. So we're looking forward to the bill being passed um, uh, sooner uh, than later in this uh, period. Uh, this term. The second issue on. Um, uh, the uh, rural hospitals uh, having adequate services specialized. Uh, one of the uh, additions to support a referral system is uh, technology and uh, modern equipment, especially digitalized uh, uh, medical equipment. Uh, recently, uh, with uh, MEC for Pierre Ramatuba, we were at uh, the Litaba Hospital in uh, a rural. A part of Limpopo and uh, unveiling a, a mammogram which is digitalized 
And uh, from uh, off-site, a radiologist, even if uh, they are not on-site, they can read uh, that uh, images and they can do a diagnosis and decide whether a patient has to be referred or can be treated in a small hospital. So more needs to be done, I agree, uh, but there are opportunities to ensure that uh, indeed uh, we progressively realize the rights that the citizens have uh, in the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. With that, thank you very much, Dr. Gwen Ramakhoba, for being with us tonight. Uh, Thank you very much, Dr. Zikalala. We now cross over to Mudupi Makhalimela. Song as we will be back after the nine o'clock news. And goodbye for me from me. SAFM one oh four to one oh seven nationwide. Leading the conversation. The viewpoint weekdays eight to ten PM on SAFM. Welcome back, everybody. That was the first hour. Thank you so much to Dr. Snuki Zigalala. Thank you so much as well to Dr. Ramakhuba. Wonderful conversation. Thanks especially to you, the listeners, for engaging them. Always respectful, but nonetheless deeply engaging and thorough in your engagement, even robust. That's what the hashtag Tuesday Takeover is all about. It is by some country distance. Our favorite segment here as the production team only because it allows the conversation to widen and to deepen in ways that, and I concede, I could never simply because I'm not an omniscient person, certainly.